hear me? Am I on? Yes? Excellent. Good morning. If I cough, I do apologise. I did ask if there was a cough filter to go on the computer to cut down on the sound when it comes out, but there isn't, so we'll do our best. I, I believe God is working, and I just, I, I've got some stuff on my heart I want to share, and I just know that the Lord wants to speak to us this morning. In my, one of my quiet times during this week, actually I think it was Friday, um, this quote came up. It said, the gospel is so simple that small children can understand it and is so profound that um, students uh, studied by the wisest theologians will never exhaust its riches. It is so simple that a child can understand it. It is so profound that studies by the wisest theologians will never exhaust its riches. And everything that I have to say this morning, I, want, I just want you to hear it in the light of that statement. Everything we've done this morning, the wonderful words that we've sung in the songs and the worship that we've brought before God this morning, those wonderful truths, all of that, what Barry was talking about, the different ones that are ill, people have had major operations, you know, and, and, and we're there going, why? Why are these things happening? Hear it in this light, the gospel. It comes from uh, Charles Hodge, a theologian who lived in the 1800s, the mid-1800s. I mean, wow, that God hasn't changed over the years. I'll say it one more time. The gospel is so simple that, that small children can understand it. And so profound that, this, that studies by the wisest theologians will never exhaust its riches. And then we have John 3.16. Let's see if this is working. Yes, there we go. We have John 3.16 and it says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, <coughs> that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. We know that scripture so well. But the th thing that struck me is this, God so loved the world. What is the nub, the core, the centre of the gospel that is so simple for a child to understand and yet so profound that you can study it the whole of your life and never come to an end? It is that truth that God loves you. God loves me. And there's another scripture which makes it even more personal. God so loved the world, but this one says, by this, the love of God was manifest in us, in you and me. The love of God is made manifest, is seen. God's love is seen in our lives. That God sent his only begotten Son into the world so that we might so that we might live through him. Just ponder that for a moment. That is the context I want what I want to say this morning to be received. That is the context for everything that we've done this morning. The things of God do not have to be complicated. 
but they are of faith. It is faith that takes us through those difficult times when we ask those awkward questions of God, why? It is faith that carries us through those. It's not complicated, it's not difficult. It's not that we've missed something and we're struggling to find something that we've missed and it's too complicated to understand. It is simple. God loves us. And the only way for us to please him is to live by faith. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you will speak to us this morning. I pray that you will sow your word into our hearts. I pray that our our hearts will be soiled that is just ready to receive your living word. Lord, help us to see you this morning and help us to be inspired by all that you have for us. We ask this in your name. Amen. Last Sunday in John's message, he, he told us, he, he, he let us see the theme for this year was hill climbing for beginners. I'm not sure about the dodgy song that he went looking for to find that in. I've never actually heard it. I was going to say it's before my time, but I think I just wasn't around in the right place to listen to it. But hill climbing for beginners. And my aim for today is, uh, or rather, the, 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 oh, the first series that we're doing is, is a series preparing to climb. And we're looking at that, that, that idea about, you know, climbing hills, preparing to climb. And my topic for this morning is looking to the summit. And I think anybody, when they start climbing, if you wanted to go and climb Mount Everest, you would stand in the foothills of Mount Everest and you'd look to the summit and you would say, hmm, that's where I want to be, up there. And really, that's what I want to do this morning. I don't want to give you a blow-by-blow account of what God is going to do. I'm not going to give you a whole string of of different projects that we're going to do this year because by doing these projects we're going to see God come powerfully amongst us. That's not what this morning is about. But this morning is about looking to the summit. It is about catching the vision, catching the heart, catching the dream of what God can do with us, in us and through us. It's about seeing seeing the summit but not necessarily knowing exactly how we're going to get there. Because what I believe is that God is going to lead us. God is going to take us on a journey. I think for all of us, us as those of us who preach in the church, we're going to learn this year. We're going to learn as we preach, as we study, as we seek God. We're going to learn. God's going to, going to reveal stuff to us. And I believe God's going to do that to us as a church. So we are looking to the summit this morning. My overall feeling, my if I was going to sort of condense down into one word what I feel God has for us this year. It's the word growth. I believe God's got growth for us. God wants us to grow and God is going to grow us. But I don't just mean that this church is going to grow and we're going to sit there and we're going to go, wow, look what God has done. This growth comes as you and I grow spiritually. As we grow and mature in God, as we grow spiritually, the result of that, the result of my spiritual growth, your spiritual growth, is that we as a body of people here in Harlow, Harefield Church will grow. It will grow in ministries. It will grow in opportunity. 
We will see the kingdom of God grow. We will see opportunities to see people saved grow. There will be so many different levels. As we become hill climbers and we come back to the title, Hill Climbing for Beginners, and I'll expand why I think that that is a brilliant title for how God wants to grow us this year in a minute. But as we become hill climbers, as we press into God, as we grow, as we open our hearts, remember the, the, the parables that I was talking about early, the back end of last year, and that idea of having hearts that have tilled soil in them because the word of God is good seed and will bear fruit. As we come in that way, as we, going back to what I said at the beginning, recognize that the things of God are simple but are obtained and, and, and owned and come into action in our lives by faith, we will see God do amazing things. And I don't just mean in this group. I mean, you will find God do amazing things in your life. You will see God do phenomenal things with you. Things that maybe you've just dreamed of. This isn't just pipe dream. This isn't trying to whip up, whip up excitement. This is the truth of how it works within the kingdom of God. This is how church grows. Yes, we can come up with all the projects, and I've been in churches like that. I've seen churches like that. I'm not trying to knock that. I'm not trying to say that's wrong, but what I'm feeling that God is saying for us is, let's go climb some hills. And as you climb the hills, I will grow you. There was another thing that John said in his preach last Sunday, and I I love this. I, I thought he said it, and then I doubted it, and I checked it up with him on Wednesday, and he said, no, I did say that. John said, you can't climb hills by sitting on your sofa. Well, that's true. We can watch other people climb them. We can see all the wonderful pictures on the screen, but we can't be there. We can't do it. We can't experience it. We can't learn. It never becomes something that we have done. It is always something that we have watched. And I believe that means God wants us to step in. Two years, over the last two years, what have we had? We had two years ago, we had God saying to us, don't despise those small things. Do you remember that? We're going through COVID. Everything seems to get closed down. And through that whole period of time, God is speaking to us, saying, don't despise those small things. Recognize the small things that are going on with you. Celebrate them. And then last year, what did we have? God is with us. Oh, that's obvious, isn't it? Emmanuel. Yes, but do we really grasp that? God is with us. Don't despise the small things. God is with us. And now God is saying, okay, grow. I want you to grow. We need to recognize that God is birthing things amongst us. There are people in this room this morning who God has been talking to. God has been touching your hearts. He's been putting ideas. He's been putting thoughts into your heart. You have ministries. You have giftings that God wants to use and bless. He wants you to see your work in this church not as simply doing something, but of fulfilling your ministry. And without belittling it, making tea and coffee out there as people come in is a ministry. It blesses people. It makes the place feel homely. It is part of what makes this place so special, and who we are, and what we are. It's part of what means that people want to come back. It's a ministry. Do you see? If you're a deacon in this church, you are ministering. You're not doing a job. 
you're ministering. If you're involved, those who are out there right now, working with our young people, growing them, the, the leaders that are going to grow up in our church, they are ministering. That is every bit as important as me standing up here spouting off. That's what it is to grow. That's what I believe God wants to do with us through this year. God wants us to discover those people in our midst, in this church, in this room this morning, who are part of us, who he's put ministry into your heart and life. And all you need is a place to grow in that, to develop that, and to see it come into fruition. That's the growth we're talking about. That's what I believe God's done. And all these things, size, finance, influence, salvations, all this stuff, they will come because you and I are pressing in to God. I said you can't sit on a sofa and climb hills. Edmund Hillary, the first person, well, he was... He was the first of two people. It was Edmund Hillary and his Tibetan mountaineer uh, who worked with him, Tanzin um, Norgay. They were the first people to reach the summit of Everest, the tallest mountain in the world. May the 29th, 1953, they climbed, they got to the summit. They spent 15 minutes up there and they headed back down again. <laughs> and when, when he got down, Edmund Hillary was... The, the, the story goes that he was, he'd, he'd done a talk about the, the, the climb and, and he was trying to get to the bar to get a drink. He'd had a long, a long sort of lecture on it and he was trying to get to the bar and this, this American was being particularly sort of obstructive, not letting him get through and he kept on saying, why did you climb? Why did you climb? Why did you climb? Why did you climb? And Edmund Hillary sort of quit because it's there. The history books tell us that actually he was so disappointed with himself for saying that. He really wished he'd never actually said it to the day he died. He rued the day that he'd made that quit. Because the point is, why did Edmund Hillary climb Everest? What was it that drove him to do that? Not least was the fact that he had his ghosts, as he called them, that sort of rattled around in his head from all the stuff that he went through in the First World War. And climbing those hills was one of the ways in which he handled that. But also, he just loved climbing. He was a climber. He was somebody who enjoyed doing it. But actually, the thing that struck me was this. Edmund Hillary climbed Everest because he happened to be in the right place at the right time with the right skills and be the right person. He had climbed for a long time. He was very skilled and very gifted in what he did. And they were trying to, they were trying to put on a, a, an expedition to get to the, the top of the, the thing. And he was part of a team. And he was the man with the right gifting to be able to do the climb. That's why I believe Hill Climbing for Beginners is what God wants for us because he wants to prepare us you and I, so that we are the right people in the right place at the right time to fulfill what God wants to do. I believe that's what God is doing with us. What's the difference? Here's a funny one. What's the difference between a hill and a mountain? If I said to you 16 foot, would you understand what I meant? 
16 feet is the difference between a hill and a mountain. There is a wonderful story. There's a film. It's called The Englishman Who Walked Up a Hill and Came Down a Mountain. I don't know if you've ever seen it. I think it's a brilliantly funny film. I, I love the film. It's, it's sort of quaint. And it's about during the days, uh, around about the time of the First World War, through the First World War, there was a small Welsh town that relied on the, 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 the its claim to fame, its pride was that it was right next to a mountain, a Welsh mountain. And these two English cartographers came along, they measured the mountain, and blow me, the mountain was 16 foot too short. So it was not a Welsh mountain, it was a Welsh hill. And the story goes through how the whole village came together, they basically dug out a football field from down in the village and they carried up to the top of this hill, made a big mountain and turned their hill into a mountain. So I ask you, what's the difference between a hill and a mountain? 16 foot. It's, it's a brilliant film. If you get to see it, watch it. It's really quite funny. But there is a point here. We need to understand, when we look at our hills or our mountains, and I'm using it sort of interchangeably, when we look at them, we need to understand how and what, it, it, how we climb. Different, different mountains and different hills are, are climbed in different ways. I'm not going to go into detail. That's for another preach. But I'm just saying, we need to understand that. We need to understand what equipment we need. And that's really important. But we need to know whether we're dealing with hills or mountains. I'll ask you a question. Who knows what's going to happen in 2023? We didn't know what was going to happen in 2022, did we? That's been an interesting year. And that's putting it mildly. Who knows what's going to hold, happen in 2023? Who knows what 2023 holds for us? I want to tell you, and this is a phrase that you've probably heard, I know who holds the future. God holds that future. God holds 2023. And he knows what 23 holds for us. So hill climbing for beginners, this year of growth, is about allowing God to equip you and me with all that we need to face the challenges that we will come to in 2023, to face those hills. But it's also about having God with us as we face those hills. Because, you see, even Hillary had Tanzin with him. He didn't go up on his own. But we've got better than that. We've got God with us. Psalm 121 Verses 1 to 5 says this, I look to the mountains. Does my help come from there? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let you stumble, and the one who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel never slumbers or sleeps. The Lord himself watches over you. The Lord stands beside you as your protective shade. Our help doesn't come from the mountain. Our help comes from the Lord. Isaiah 54.10 For the mountains may move, the hills disappear, but even then my Father's love for you will remain. My covenant of blessing will never be broken, says the Lord, who has mercy on you. Our mountains, our securities, the things that we have put 
well, that we just expect always to be there. Sometimes, you know, mountains, sometimes they may not be, we may not think of them as bad things. They can be those secure things, those things that, that, that we don't expect to change, those things that are solid. What hills do we have that we have put some security into? You know, what people, what jobs, what institutions, what preparations for the future? Where is our security? And I just felt, as I was preparing this, I just felt the Lord challenging me. I've been challenged over these weeks and months, one way or another. I've been challenged as I've been looking at John and Pauline and thinking about what the next step is. If I'm really honest, I'm finding this one of the hardest times in my life. Decisions that I'm having to make. And then in the middle of all that, why God? Why am I coughing my guts up all over the place? Eight, nine, nine weeks now, ten weeks, maybe a bit more, I've been coughing. I just keep thinking it's going, it comes back. Oh, but where is my security? Psalm 46, 1 to 3, God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. So we will not fear when the earthquakes come and the mountains crumble into the sea. Let the oceans roar and foam. Let the mountains tremble as the water surges. No, the mountains are not where my help and my strength are. They are in the Lord, the creator of the mountains. Thing is, not only are, they, are we faced with things that we thought were secure in our mountains, and again this is why we need to learn how to climb them, is we are faced with things that get in the way. 2023, we head into this year, there is still a war in Russia, there is still inflation. There is still cost of fuel is high. People are un, at unrest because of, the, because of the cost of living. There are so many things that we enter into this year with. And there are people who are in hospital right now, our family, our friends, people we love, that we care for, right at this moment. And of course, those questions come up seems so hard sometimes. Why? Why, God? Why is this happening? So often things go wrong. I'm there coughing, 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 and I'm in the middle of it, I'm saying, God, why? Why this? Why me? I've got to preach Sunday. What are you doing? Why aren't you fixing it? Look at me. I haven't coughed since I really started talking. Never this morning. God is good. God is good. But we still ask those questions, why, in the middle. Why? I love the Narnia Chronicles. I've read them so many times since I was a kid. may not be for everybody, but I'm just a big kid in, at heart. And I just think they're... I, I love the, the, the way C.S. Lewis put some of those truths in. And there's a section in there. And, and out of this, I want to bring an idea that, that I think helps me to understand some of the whys of what's going on. It doesn't give the answers, but it just helps me to deal with it. And in the middle of that uh, Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe story, the beaver is talking to the children about Aslan. And he says this, Aslan is a lion, the lion, the great lion. Oh, says Susan, I thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. Safe, says Mr. Beaver. 
Who said anything about being safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. Do you know, in some ways it's the same with the Lord. And if you disagree with me on this, then you can argue with me afterwards. But I believe that there is a truth in what I want to say next. God hasn't promised that everything will be safe. He's promised that he will be there through everything. Let that sink in for a second because it is easy to get caught up in I'm a Christian, that means everything should now be sorted out. I can pray about this and it will all go away. But it doesn't always. And the point is that we mustn't get into that train of thought that says, so that means God doesn't love me. Psalm 23, 1-4 The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He, le- he lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me besides peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honour to his name. This is a psalm that we know so well. Look at all those wonderful blessings in there. But then we hit verse 4. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid. For you are close beside me, your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. Look again at Isaiah 43.2. It says, when, when you go through the waters, I'll be with you. When you go through the rivers of difficulty, that you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. When? And the difficulty is that being a Christian does not guarantee that there aren't any winds. That doesn't guarantee that things won't be difficult. But here's some more. Look at this. And I was, I was just pondering and thinking about this. 1 Peter 4.12 says this. Dear friends, <laughs> this is hard stuff. Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, wow. Okay, I suppose I've got to read that. Instead, be very glad. For these trials make your, you partners with Christ in his suffering so that you will have wonderful, the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to the whole world. Am I saying God isn't going to look after you? I'm not trying to make you depressed and, and, and get you to think, oh, God isn't going to look after you. No, everything is actually going to be awful. No, that isn't true. God does do amazing things. God does rescue us. There are so many times when God rescues us and we don't even realise it. I mean, the other day I was, I was driving to pick up Sharon from her mum and dad's. I came up to a junction. I saw a car pull up and it sort of stopped. And so I just carried on. And then the car looked like it was coming. So I put my foot on the brake and I slowed down a bit. Then I saw the car stop again and I thought, okay, the car, and so I carried on. And suddenly the car just pulled across, then saw me, then slammed on its brakes right in front of me, right across the road. I slammed on my brakes and stopped. If I'd been going just Five miles an hour faster, I would have hit the side of a car. Right where she sat, I would have gone right into that driver's door. God was looking after me. See, I'm not saying God doesn't do it, but what I'm saying is what we don't do is get into that mindset that says when something goes wrong, it must be because God doesn't love me anymore. It's not. It's not. It's because we live in a broken world. And again, I don't take that just as a quip. It is part of the truth 
of why things don't always work out the way they should. The starting point for everything in our lives is this. It is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. That wonderful passage, chapter 11 of Hebrews, talking about faith, all those people of faith, and, it, and, it, and, it, and that is our starting point, and it goes on, verses 32 to 40. Look at these wonderful, look at, listen to this. How much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount all the stories of faith, of Gideon, of Barak, of Samson, of uh, uh, Japheth, of David, of Samuel, of all the prophets. By faith these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions, they quenched the flames of fire, they escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weaknesses were turned into strength and they became strong in the battle and put on the whole, uh, put whole armies to flight. It's great when you read it after the event, isn't it? That's their testimony. Oh wow, that looks great! Well, this is what 32 and 40 says. And again, I'm not trying to depress you, but the reality. It goes on to say, some were jeered at. The backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prison. Some died by stoning. Some were sawn in half. And others were killed with a sword. Some went about wearing <coughs> the skins of sheep and goats, destitute, oppressed. <coughs> and mistreated. But then it says, all these people earned a good reputation because of their faith. Not one of them received all that God had for them. But God has something better in mind for us so that they would not reach perfection without us. There's more stuff we could preach on that. But the truth of this is, God is not a tame God. Aslan wasn't a tame lion. God is not a tame God. God doesn't just turn up and do what we want when he wants it. I'm afraid we have to deal with that. We have to, by faith, come back to God is good. The difference, what is the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian? Okay, there's many answers to that, but for this morning I'll say it is not the absence of trials and problems, but it is the presence of a saviour and a shepherd. Everything is under God's control. Spurgeon, Spurgeon says this, he says, I love this, Time flies with such impetuous wing that no express train can overtake it. And evening, the, even the lightning flash lags behind it. A lifetime is gone or ever we were aware. We shall soon see the great white throne we shall soon stand at the judgment bar of God. Let us be making ready for the day of days when the Ancient of Days shall sit. And this is it. Let us not live so much in the dreams of the fleeting present, but let us project our lives into the realities of the eternal future. What is our reality what reality are we living in? There is a time for ranting. Barry ranted very well 
few weeks. But there is a time for ranting at God. Because I'm human. I'm not perfect. And I really don't understand. And sometimes I have to rant at somebody. And let me tell you, it's better to rant at God sometimes than it is somebody else. God is infinite and infinitely capable of taking our rants. We should be honest with him, but then there comes a time for lamenting, a time to ask God for forgiveness, a time to seek God for help. But then we come back to where we started, hill climbing for beginning for the beginners. We come back to growth. There comes a time of growth. And that's why I believe that hill climbing for beginners is an important topic for this year because I believe that's what God wants to do with us. He wants us to climb those hills, those things that seem so difficult to deal with. As you grow, as you mature in God, as we climb our hills and our mountains, we will see God using us. I know time is going, but just give me another minute or two. Spurgeon said this, and I love this as well. I just, I, I just discovered him. I mean, these readings from Spurgeon, I didn't go looking for them. God just sent them to me in this last week. Um, I just found them. They just popped up in my readings. I love this. Listen, there is not a spider hanging on the king's wall, but it has its errand. There is not a nettle that grows in the corner of the churchyard, but it has its purpose. There is not a single insect fluttering in the breeze, but accomplishes some divine decree. And I will never have it that God created any man, especially or woman, especially any Christian man or woman, to be blank, to be a nothing. He made you for an end. Find out what that end is. Find out what your niche is. Fill it. If it be ever so little, if it is only to be a, a hewer of wood and a drawer of water, do something in this great battle for God and for truth. And I think that's really at the bottom of my heart, that this year, I believe God wants us as individuals to grow into whatever he has called us to. And that whatever that is, is as valid as any other thing that any other person is called to in this church. We stand before God equal. We are together as a team, as a family, looking to climb those mountains. So what can I do? And I finish with this. Pray that God will stir his vision in your heart. Pray for yourself first. Come before God and ask him to stir his vision in your heart. If you don't feel you have anything, and believe me, I understand, I know what that feels like. I go through times when I just feel like there's nothing. I, I just, all I'm doing is trusting, I'm trusting and listening to God and waiting on him. There are times when I think, no, that's what God wants me to do. Ask God. Ask God to stir his vision in your heart for what he has for you to accomplish in his kingdom, in this church. Ask him to help you recognize that God has made you for an end. He has something for you to do. You are special. You are unique. 
People use that. It's lost its meaning, but it's true. You are unique, and your uniqueness gives you something unique that you can do for God. I can't do it because I'm different. I have a different way of thinking. And pray that you will find out what that end is and you will fill your niche. And then secondly and lastly, pray for us, pray for the leaders. Pray that God will show us how to grow, show us where to encourage, show us how to recognise his hand moving. We all need to be watching and looking and seeing. If we recognise something in somebody, we need to be ready to talk about it. We need to be ready to share it. We need to be ready to encourage. Pray for us. Pray for each for, 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 for the leadership that we will be able to get alongside those that the Holy Spirit is appointing, anointing and gifting. One of the things we've talked about as leaders is, is getting alongside those not always the people that we automatically expect, but having open hearts before God and seeing what it is God wants to do with individuals in the church. Hill climbing for beginners. We need to see where we're going. And where we're going is growing. And growing means you and I need to grow. And as you and I grow, we need to recognise that. We need to watch for the small beginnings. We need to recognize God is with us and we need to press into all that he has for us. Thank you. Lord bless you.